morning. Kids, I've got a question. I would love to know where your favorite place is. Where do you like to be more than anywhere else? Take a second to think. Any ideas come to mind? Yes. I'm sorry, say again. Is that a is that like a, a Raleigh place that I'm not familiar with? But oh, okay. What? How? How did? Have, have you been there? You've been to this Caribbean island? Okay, so it's not just like a dream location for you. It's actual place you've been. Oh, okay, okay. How do? You, how did you feel when you were there? Happy, excited. Were you with people? With your family? You guys get you lots of fun stuff? Nice, nice. What other places? So we've got the Caribbean islands. Yes? In your room, on your bed, with what? An endless pile of books. Okay, so we have two different personalities coming out here. And that's awesome. So in your room, on your bed, giant pile of books. You've got a plan for the rest of your afternoon right there. How do you feel when you're in that place? Well rested. Awesome. Awesome. That's great. So kids, today we're going to be talking about our worries, our fears, and our anxieties. And we're talking about moving from a place of worry and fear and anxiety to a place of being well-rested, of, be, of having fun, of being happy, similar to these places you guys have just described. Um, so I would love for you to be thinking about what can God do? How can God help me with my worries and my fears? And that's the big question for today. Would you guys pray with me before we dive into Scripture? Dear Lord, thank you so much for today. Thank you for the opportunity to learn from your word. Thank you for this church community. Help us, Father, to direct our eyes to you. Help us to turn from our worldly troubles to your grace and to your peace. In Jesus' name, amen. So, today we're talking about anxiety. And part of the reason why I wanted to uh, preach this sermon is because I myself have had lots of interactions with anxiety, first and foremost professionally as a counselor, um, but also in my own life. Um, Particularly in seminary, I went through a period of time where I had pretty um, intense um, struggles with anxiety, including panic attacks. Um, I, I I went and saw a counselor, had some professional help there. Um, as well. So I know the seriousness of this topic, and I know that there are probably plenty of people in this room who have experienced different um, uh, struggles with anxiety and this topic. So I do want to take it seriously. I do want to acknowledge that. My, my hope with this sermon uh, is for us to have a new relationship with this reality. Anxiety is a reality in our world. It's everywhere. Uh, A recent study just came out that says that um, experts are now saying that children as young as eight years old should be screened for clinical anxiety disorders. During the pandemic, it was estimated that 
about one-third of every American could have been diagnosed with a clinical anxiety disorder. Obviously, that's an extreme situation. But it's still true that anxiety is everywhere, that we all have interactions with it, and we all experience it. So today, what we're going to do is we're going to spend some time in Scripture to try to get an answer to the question, what does Jesus have to say about our anxiety? How can we move from anxiety to peace? And so to do that, we're going to move from, uh, we're going to go through three movements within Scripture, from creation to our brokenness to new creation. And so I wanted to start with creation because I wanted to try to answer the question, what, what's the theological foundation of anxiety? And what I mean by that is, where does anxiety come from? Where does it start? And so looking back at creation, um, if you can turn in your Bibles to Genesis 1 passage that we just had read, uh, Genesis 1 starting in verse 23, I believe. Um, There's a beautiful picture here in this passage of humanity fully alive. When my anxious heart reads this passage, it longs to return to this place. Here we have perfect relationship with God perfect relationship with one another, and a perfect relationship with creation. First and foremost, with God, we're made in his image and likeness. We are in a relationship with him. We're given a mandate to fill the earth and subdue it. We're in a perfect relationship with one another. It says that we are, at this point, Adam and Eve are, are naked and not ashamed. They have intimacy. They have connection. They don't have guilt. They don't have stress. We are also in a perfect relationship with creation because we are, we are given a purpose. We're, we're meant as physical beings in God's created order to rule over the other created things. And all of this, I think this is easy to miss, all of this is put into the context of a garden. So even within God's created order, for Adam and Eve, he created even more order and placed them within it. In the garden, there was, provision, there was provision and there was safety. They were safe in the abundance of what God has created. And so Eden, the picture we're given of Eden in Genesis 1, is that it didn't, didn't just meet our needs, it fulfilled them. Physically, emotionally, socially, spiritually, across all areas of our life, our needs were met. In God, in creation, and with one another. So this is truly a picture of humanity fully alive. This is true abundance. We are working, I think we were given a job, within a context of safety and provision. That's what we long for. That's what's in, at the center of our desires, and our pursuits in life. And that is ultimately what we've lost. Sin came into the world and created a division between us and our ultimate provider and protector. So now we find ourselves in a situation where we're searching and longing for that abundance but come across scarcity. We're looking for safety, and we find danger. In the absence of Eden, what we end up with is anxiety. 
And so the result of our sin, the result of our separation from God is anxiety. And anxiety cuts across all of those unmet needs. It cuts across us physically, emotionally, socially, spiritually. Anyone who's experienced anxiety knows that all of these symptoms are shouting to us that something isn't right in the world. And so I don't believe anyone wakes up in the morning and decides they're going to be anxious that day. Instead, anxiety is a felt sense. That's their counselor term for the day. It's a reaction to something. It's not willfully engaged in. It's something that we experience almost like it's in our bones. What I'm arguing today is that anxiety is the natural human response to living in a fallen world. We don't feel safe. We don't feel provided for. And so we worry. And so we ruminate. And so we're anxious. And framed in that way, anxiety is right. We are living in a fallen world. There's a good intention underneath all of that worrying and anxiety. It is trying to tell us we are not safe. It's trying ultimately to protect us. And divorced from our creator, it's right. We need protection in today's world. So our anxiety is intimately aware of all of the negative possible futures. And it wants to make us aware of them like a guard dog barking at everything that moves. Sometimes our anxiety is barking at something that really is truly problematic. And sometimes it's barking at a squirrel. And that's just how we experience that feeling. What if our anxiety no longer has to work that hard? What if in the resurrection we are given something that can help us be in the midst of the fallen world but not experience its effects? What if there is a better way? What if we can move out of that brokenness somewhere else where we feel at peace, where we feel well-rested, where we feel at home? I think ultimately what we're experiencing here with our anxiety is that absence of Christ. And so ultimately what we need is new creation. We need a return to a space where God is taking care of us and watching over us, and we can trust in that. It's almost like there is a part of us that doesn't realize all that Jesus has done, how we're no longer living in that kingdom of darkness, but the kingdom of his son. A part of us that doesn't hear God's promises to never leave us nor forsake us. A part of us that is still outside of Eden among the thorns and thistles, convinced we have to make it on our own. How do we interact with that part? How do we change that part's mind? I think we need to introduce our anxiety to Jesus. I think over time, as we pursue that, we might see a change in that felt sense. And anxiety will no longer be our organizing principle, but as Paul says, the peace of Christ can rule our hearts. And so, we need to enter into new creation. How do we define new creation? I think this is where the New Testament readings and the gospel readings are so helpful for us today. 
So turn to Colossians chapter 3. First, before we get to Colossians, in new creation, God is with us. Throughout the Old Testament, over and over and over again, God is aware of the anxiety of his people. And we see that in the names for God. Jehovah Jireh, my provider. Jehovah Shalom, my peace. Jehovah Ra'ah. And I'm blanking on what that means now. I didn't write it down in English. Hagar, the God who sees. Hagar, who says that God is the God who sees. And then ultimately, we come to the name Emmanuel. God with us. God wrapped in human flesh, experiencing every anxiety we could possibly think of. Jesus experienced poverty. He experienced loss of friends. He experienced persecution. He experienced torture. And he experienced death. So God knows our fears and our anxieties intimately. He can relate to them and he can engage with them. So first and foremost, a new creation that we enter into, God is with us. And that changes things. Second, he can give us a family. And this is where Colossians 3 comes in. Notice all of the communal language that's present in this passage. We're supposed to put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. That's in verse 12. And verse, 10, verse, verse 13, bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you. So you must also forgive. In new creation, God gives us a family. A family that can understand our anxieties, that can engage our anxieties with us. A family that can help us to interact with the world. And this leads me to say that I don't believe anxiety should live on the fringes of the church. This should be a place where we can come and truly bear one another's burdens. We shouldn't be ashamed that there is still a part of us that is convinced that the world is not safe. We can live with that and engage with that. And then it goes on to say in Colossians that we're meant to sing, uh, meant to admonish one another in all wisdom, singing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. We're meant to encourage one another. And lastly, new creation invites us back into the kingdom of God. God can once again be our king. Whereas God was a provider for us in the beginning, he can do can play that role again. Jesus came preaching and announcing the kingdom of heaven, being present to us now. A new place where provision and safety is in abundance again, even in the midst of this dangerous world. New creation being born out of and through and in our current situation. That is ultimately the hope of the gospel. So in Christ, once again, we can live out our callings as beloved children of God, tending to his new creation. So I wanted to leave you with some practical steps here because, again, I'm a counselor, so I can't help you. What do we do with our anxiety? What I've outlined here is this idea that there is a part of us that doesn't fully know who Jesus is, that we still have remnants within our hearts that are living in rebellion of God, thinking they need to do it all themselves. I'm, 
presenting the idea that we need to introduce that part to Jesus. How do we do that? I think Matthew 6 actually gives us some answers there. You can turn there real quickly with me. When Jesus presents the idea of anxiety, one of the first things he does is he tells us to look to creation. Go back to the created order. And what he wants us to see there is God providing for us, God holding up and maintaining his good creation. He says, look at the birds. And he says, look at the flowers. Both fragile and needy parts of creation. Both parts that need provision. He's wanting us to see the tenderness of God. So as we sit with our anxiety, I would want us to sit with it in tenderness. To apply the tenderness of God to our anxious hearts and minds. It strikes me as profound that if someone came to you and said, I am feeling anxious right now, you would be gentle and loving with them. But often in our own lives, in our own hearts, when we're anxious, we suppress, push down, say snap out of it. We're so much harder on ourselves than we would be on a friend. Our anxiety is, is needing Jesus. So apply the gospel to your anxiety. Sit with your anxiety in that tenderness. Second, I think that uh, the scriptures invite us to a deep knowledge of ourselves over and over again. In, in Paul's writings, he talks about examining yourself. Examine yourself. He, he talks about knowing what's happening in your heart and your mind. The Psalms are a beautiful example of this as well. Uh, the psalmist says, Why are you downcast, O my soul? Psalmist says, unite my heart to sing God's praise. Proverbs says, guard your heart. So the scripture invites us to know ourselves deeply. And the more deeply and more profoundly we can know ourselves and know our emotions, the more, the more able we are to offer those things to Jesus in confession and to receive his grace. So we shouldn't be suppressing, we shouldn't be pushing down, we shouldn't be trying to blow past we should be able to confess and acknowledge when we are anxious, when we are scared, when we're sad, when we're angry, whatever it might be. So know yourself well and offer that knowledge to God. I want to just end with reading again Paul's words. This is uh, Colossians 3, starting in verse 12 again. Put then on as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other, as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body. And be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. Whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him.
Jesus is inviting each and every one of us into that reality every day. He is inviting us to sit with our anxiety and to introduce it to him. Amen.